The sad thing is, there's, there's so much advertising in our world today. You go for a drive to Melbourne, I wonder if you counted how many signs of advertising you would see on the way to Melbourne. When you get near Melbourne, you, you couldn't count them, there's so many. We are so bombarded with advertising and things that are maybe half true some of the time. I got a burger from a place recently that was supposed to be a little bit fancy. And I've got to say, it was not a little bit fancy. <laughs> it was the worst burger I've had in years, but anyway, not saying who that company was. Um, but we can get so disappointed, so disillusioned, and so sceptical of everything we are here, here, everything we see, and everything around us. The sad thing is so many people struggle to believe in a God who loves us and who cares for us. This morning, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the God who loves and serves. This is the God who, who we talk about at Easter time. This is the God of the Bible. This is the Jesus that we talk about, a God who loves and serves. God knows what it is to be betrayed. God knows what it is to be disappointed. He knows what it is to have people turn their back on Him. From the beginning of the Bible, we read in Genesis 2 about Adam and Eve, that God made the world. It was perfect in every way. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I just can't imagine what it would have been like to live there. And it was perfect in every way. And yet Adam and Eve, what did they do? They took the one fruit that God said, don't touch that one. Don't go near that one. Don't touch that fruit. Don't eat of it. They did the one thing that God had said not to do. They believed the lie that God was holding out on them, that God had something that he, he wasn't giving them that would be good for them. Satan said, oh, God, God doesn't want you to have this because he knows it will make you wiser. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to have because he wants to hold out on you. You know, If you want to have the best life, you've got to do it yourself. You can't trust God. And Adam and Eve took the fruit and they ate of it. It's kind of like God's the kid with all the lollies. Do you remember a kid when you were at school, maybe you're still at school, and there was a kid that always had lollies? Do you remember that kid? Just think for a moment. It's like God's the, like the kid with all the lollies. That There's always someone who says, hey, they're not going to give me any. And there's someone else that says, hey, you gave them more than me. And there's someone else that says, they're never going to give them to me, so I'm going to just get them. I'm going to go to their bag, and I'm going to get it out of their bag. It's like, you remember that kid? Because we all have this fear of missing out. We all have this fear of maybe I need to do something just to get what I'm not going to otherwise have. The human condition is to think we're missing out. That maybe God doesn't love us quite enough. That we need to do something because God, God's holding out on us. And we need to do something to try and get that life that He's not giving us. That's the human condition. And it continues through history. We, we're reading the news today about things happening in the world around us. Nations against nations. People fighting and, 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 and theft to try and get that next hit, that next thing that will give life. But actually it doesn't. The Bible talks about the, the journey of His people Israel and how time and time again God delivered them from slavery and they, they were to go to the promised land, and yet they wouldn't trust Him. Time and time again, they, they refused to obey Him, they refused to do what He'd commanded, because they thought they could do something else to, to get a better life than what God had planned for them, or what God had, was allowing them to have. 
in the book of Hosea, it's talking about Israel before they go into captivity. And he says they're like an unfaithful wife that just goes off again and again and again and is unfaithful. But what does God say? He says, but I'm calling them back. I'm calling them back. I love them. and I'm going to lay down my life. I want them to come back to me. That's God's love. Think about Herod when Jesus was born. The Magi come and they say to Herod, where is the, the king of the Jews that's been born? And what does King Herod do? He, he immediately tries to find a way to get rid of this promised Messiah. He's afraid that maybe this one is going to rise up and, and take his power. And he thinks, I've got to do something to keep the control, my, my status in society, if I'm, going to, if I'm going to have this life that I want to have. Think about Judas. Judas, one of Jesus' closest friends, one of the 12 disciples who walked with Jesus, who lived with him for a, a couple of years. Jesus knew what it was like to be betrayed. Jesus had one of his closest friends betray him. And I wonder, what was Judas thinking? I wonder what went through his mind. We don't know exactly what he thought, how he felt. Maybe he thought, Jesus is going to be betrayed anyway. I might as well get, just get the money. Who knows what he was thinking? But he betrayed Jesus and handed him over to the soldiers. Think about Jesus' disciples. They said, we'll never abandon you. Even if we have to die with you, we'll, we'll never leave you, Jesus. And then the very next chapter we read that the disciples fled, that they denied him. Peter denied him three times. They denied even knowing him. Jesus knew what it was like to be betrayed. He knows what it is to be betrayed. wonder about us. Have we ever betrayed God? Have we ever turned our back on Him? Have we ever done things that we know would not please Him? Have we ever got angry and decided to become our own judge and jury? Have we ever spoken evil about people that God created and loves? Have we ever done or said things that we knew was, were wrong just because we wanted to try and get ahead, we didn't want to miss out, that we wanted to try and get that thing that we thought maybe God was holding out on us? That's what sin is. It's to not trust in the living God. It's to trust in ourselves as God. It's to try and make ourselves God and just do what we want to do to try and get ahead, to try and find life and not trust in God. God says if sin is believing, we can't trust Him. and We ignore our, His commands and just do our own thing. And that's the story of humanity. That's the story of every human that's ever lived. God creates us, He loves us, and we reject His love. He creates us, He loves us, He gives to us, and we turn our back on Him. But it doesn't end there. Praise God, it's Good Friday. I wonder what would you have done if you were God, if you created this, this world, you created all these people, you loved them, you gave them an amazing world and just said, this, just one thing, just don't do this one thing. And they all go and do it. What would you have done? Fortunately, you don't have to answer that because you are not God. I'm not God, and I thank God I'm not God. I think we would have wiped them out. We would have tried to start again, maybe. But God has a different plan. Let's have a listen to what it says in John chapter 3. This is what Jesus says. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. 
After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. What's he talking about there? What's, what's Jesus talking about, the, the pole being lifted up? The people of Israel in the desert, in Numbers 21, you can read about when they complained, complained and complained and complained and finally God sends poisonous snakes to come in among the people. And many people are bitten and many people are dying. And finally the people cry out to God and they say, God, please save us from these snakes that are killing our brothers, our sisters, our families. And he tells God to, to put this bronze snake on the pole and lift it up. And anyone who obeys God's command, anyone who puts their faith in him and what he says would be saved. And in the same way, Jesus says he too would be lifted up on a pole. And again, anyone who looks to him, anyone who puts their trust in him, will be saved. Does it make sense? To, can we explain how it happens? No, we can't explain what, how it happens and, and what it looks like in, in the spiritual world, but it's the reality of heaven. That we put our trust in Jesus Christ, that we can start life again, that we become a new creation that the old is gone, the new has come. That's what baptism is about. It's about burying that old nature and celebrating that we have a new nature in Christ. And he goes on in verse 16. He says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed." But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. You know, God knows the darkness in our hearts. He knows the pains. He knows the fears. He knows the sadness. 
He knows the, the convictions we have. He knows the, the guilt we have. He knows we've all turned our backs on him so many times. But the good news of Good Friday is that Jesus t- came to take our punishment upon the cross. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, this Jewish religious leader. And he knows that sin is a serious thing. He's a, a respected leader within the, the Pharisees. He knows the penalty for sin is death. He knows that the Jews have been making sacrifices for centuries. Ever since that first sin in the Garden of Eden, God killed the animal to clothe Adam and Eve. It was a sacrifice made to cover their nakedness and to cover their shame. The wages of sin is death. The, the, the price of sin is death. But Jesus has come to pay it all. He has done it all and he said, it is finished upon the cross. Now, we have a choice to make. Do we choose to believe in a God who loves us and cares for us, who, who, who has died on the cross for us and then proved to the world his power that he is the Son of God by rising from the dead? Or do we choose to be skeptical and say, I just can't believe it. It's too good to be true. Do we turn our back on, on, on the living God who gave his life for us? Or do we say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me? Thank you that you died in my place, that you took my penalty, my sin, that I can be free and have freedom and life forever. We have a choice. Will we look to ourselves and try and find life in ourselves or do we look to Jesus? Do we look to the cross and see the life that he poured out for us, that we could have life, that we could have freedom from our sin and enjoy life and eternity with him? because of the cross. You know, even as believers, we can struggle to believe at times that it is finished. We can struggle to remember that Jesus has done it all. We feel guilty. We feel unworthy. We feel like we've failed. We feel like we've messed up too much. But Jesus has done it all. There is no power against you that can defeat you if God is on your side. There is nothing that you can separate from you from his love if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. We struggle, we, we, we forget, but then let's look back to the cross. Let's look at the cross and see the freedom that Jesus came and died for us to have. Let's see the, the offering he's given for us and offer our lives back to him again. We're going to have communion this morning. I just wonder if the stewards would come now and, and hand out the communion elements. And maybe you've never had communion before, but this morning I want to invite anyone who wants to celebrate what Jesus has done for us to join us in communion. If you believe Jesus took your sin upon the cross, if you want to thank God for what he's done for you this morning, I encourage you to take that biscuit, which represents his body, to take that cup of grape juice which reminds us of his blood that was poured out for us. We're just going to hold those elements. We're going to sing a song uh, just as it's, uh, communion is being handed out. I just want you to hold those, that biscuit and that cup. Um, you may have heard this song last Sunday if you were here. And if you know the words, p- please feel free to, to stand and, and sing along as you receive the communion elements. Do you want to just put the words up of that song for us, guys? 
It says, if love endured that ancient cross, how precious is my Saviour's blood. If, he, if he, Jesus went through this for me, how precious this is. The beauty of heaven wrapped in my shame. The one who came from heaven took my sin upon him. The image of love upon death's frame. The one who is love itself, God is love, died a criminal's death upon the cross. If having my heart was worth the pain, what joy could you see beyond the grave? If love found my soul worth dying for, how wonderful, how glorious, my Saviour's scars, victorious. If we just go to the bridge, as this, it says this line, When I see the cross, I see freedom. When I see the grave, I'll see Jesus. And from death to life, I will sing your praise in the wonder of your grace. He's poured out His grace on us so amazingly. And we just want to take a moment to stop, to reflect, to think, to thank God for what He's done for us. Remember, this is Good Friday because you gave everything that we could be set free. God, we thank you this morning. We hold the biscuit and the cup and we say thank you, Jesus, for dying our death, for paying the price for our sin that we could be made free. Help us, Lord, to see the cross and to see freedom, to see life, to see the hope that you came to give us. Help us to tell other people, Lord, about the hope we have in you, the hope that will not disappoint. And Lord God, we just say thank you and we praise you this morning on this Good Friday. Let's eat and drink, celebrating and remembering what Jesus has done for us. talk to God. That's what prayer is. Just thank Him for what He's done. Thank Him for taking away that sense of guilt, taking away the, any fear of being not good enough, because He has done it all. He said, it is finished upon the cross. Everything was done so you could come to Him. Just talk to Him now.